Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. Back in early February, we caught up with Andy Mann in the UK and we promised to touch base with him again to see how the year is progressing for him. Andy is a Dubliner managing a large farm in Eastern England and has made a conversion to a no-till system over the past few years. Planting spring crops in a no-till system presents different challenges to conventional systems and this year will be no different with higher rainfall totals in the spring. Andy, you're very welcome again to the podcast. I know you're very anxious to get back out spraying the final fungicide to wheat, so we'll jump straight into the questions. How did you get on planting spring crops this year? It's been a, an interesting spring. We started planting, um, it was quite wet, early part of winter and coming into March. We normally look to, to start drilling anytime sort of March onwards. Um, it was probably nearly into the first week of April before we got going. Uh, we had spring wheat, spring oats and a bit of spring linseed to drill. And uh, it went from wet to dry pretty much within 48 hours. <laughs> and uh, so we started drilling. It was a little bit probably wetter than I'd like when we started drilling. And it quickly dried within 48 hours. I'd say it, it suddenly it was like you flicked a switch almost. And uh, the ground dried out very quickly after that. And then it looked, it felt like last spring and then it started to rain end of April. And um, yeah, it didn't let up really through May. <laughs> we had a lot of rain in May over here. Yeah, well, very similar here in Ireland as well. And in, in your system that you're in, um, and I suppose look, even when we look across Ireland at the moment, we again, we had a lot of rain and there's a lot of spring barley crops in particular in all systems, in fairness, in plough as much as anything else, they've gone all sorts of shades of green. How did your mid-till spring crops stand up to the, that kind of rain? Um, I mean, hindsight's a wonderful thing, Michael. And I was just saying the other day, if, if I'd known it was going to be as wet, I'd, it had every indication that it was going to be like the last sort of two or three years where we've had a very dry spring. And I planted with a disc drill. If I'd known it was going to be as wet, I probably would have planted with the, the time drill. Um, that just gives a bit more drainage. It leaves it a little bit more open, not quite as packed down so obviously it doesn't conserve moisture as well um but you know hindsight's a wonderful thing but i'd say yeah we we are our spring crops on the kind of ground they, they look okay they look fine they grew grew away the cold temperatures held them back a bit in april with a lot of frost right right into the first week of may we were getting frost over here um and that probably had more of an influence and the, yeah some of the wetter fields that they, they did sit wet and that's definitely impacted yields so maybe if we just go back a little bit, maybe for some of those spring crops and uh, maybe all the way back to last harvest. So you your the combine goes through those fields, you know, it's destined for a spring crop. You might just bring us through, step us through what sort of management you put in place for those fields to bring it all the way around to set it up for planting in your spring crops. Um, so unfortunately, <laughs> in a normal year and, and where I'd planted, we we took the winter wheat off uh, last August, beginning of August, and we planted a cover crop in pretty much straight away. You know, as soon as we combined the field, we were straight in, drilled a cover crop. Um, that got away really nicely. We put a small bit of fertilizer on there and just shut the gate on it really. Um, and we got, you know, a terrific amount of biomass and rooting in there. And that drilled absolutely beautifully. The, the drill sailed through there and we've got spring oats in there and they look really a really good crop of spring oats to be fair um what was less good i suppose was where we we've ended up drilling spring crops again where we just uh it started to rain last october and we we didn't get anything on the ground so no cover crops drilled 
and we're just going straight into stubble this spring with spring wheat again and those crops definitely don't look as good even where the less green matter that was there over winter the worse the spring crop is i'd almost say there's a, a correlation there between the two so you know cover cropping is really important i think in our system in terms of the cover crops that you plant do you design if you like a specific cover crop for for spring crops in the uh, in, in the following year um so i tend to use multi-species cover crops um anything up to you know eight or nine different seeds in there um i don't tend to put any cereals or any um grass as much in the cover crop because it tends to be volunteer cereals growing in there anyway um i, I like linseeds phacelia um buckwheat you get a good sort of a lot of seed for your money with those um they're the basis and then probably a little bit of uh, maybe stubble turnips if we're going to graze them over winter if we're going to graze them i'll drop out the buckwheat sheep don't like buckwheat um but yeah sunflowers it just depends on on the what we're what we're aiming but yeah i've got a couple of different mixes i've got a seed supplier that can pretty much mix up anything i want um i give him a price and and you know you know what the sort of basic components and ask him to suggest we'll put clover in there as well usually so yeah it'll be usually on average probably five or six different species in the cover crop and uh about what's yeah. what's sort the of timing andy do you burn those off then in in before the spring crop so usually about a month beforehand i'll uh i'll run through with with roundup um sometimes the frost this year we had as i said frost all through april and that pretty much did the job for me um so yeah i, I tend to try and run through maybe a month beforehand and uh and burn them off and then when you look at that system in comparison to maybe conventional systems of your neighbors how much later or are you around the same time maybe uh planting your spring crops uh, this was one of the sort of there was 10 golden rules really for, for no-till and, and one of those golden rules is that you start two weeks earlier in the in the autumn and, and you start two weeks later in the spring drilling and so yeah I tend to be perhaps a little bit later um, although this year I wouldn't say I probably started about the same time as a lot of my neighbours around here on, on the sort of heavier clay. And then with all that cover crop coming through um, obviously there's a potential for 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 pest issues, slugs and aphids. Do you see that, or do you think that's maybe any worse now than it might have been in the past when you were more a conventional system? Uh, certainly, uh, aphids haven't been a problem this year, and I, I, that might be more due to the late frosts that we had through April. Um, slugs as well. I wouldn't say slugs are any more of an issue. Um, we've got fairly, a good lot of natural predators, I think, with the beetles. Um, I don't tend to grow brassicas seem to attract the slugs and I don't tend to grow an awful lot of brassicas. There's a little bit of mustard in the, in the cover crops, but not huge amounts. Um, and I think since we stopped growing oilseed rape, our slug numbers have dropped off a wee bit. So, okay. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's any worse. We're not, we're not any worse than a conventional system for, for pest pressure. Okay. I actually forgot to ask you a question about starting in the spring. Do you have any sort of guides that help you to when you're going to start or is it more a case of just bring out your spade and, dig around and have a look like is there moisture meters or temperature meters or things like that do you have a, a like a key temperature in soil before you start or anything like that usually like to see it sort of eight degrees and rising um for temperature wise and, and it's just knowing your fields and knowing your farm really you kind of know where the kind of fields are where you might get started first and have a walk across them and, and see how wet they are have a little dig and and you know if, if they're a goer we'll, we'll make a start sort of thing okay 
and and then maybe the last one then just in terms of sort of some of the management then of that of that uh, those spring crops in that system in terms of weed control have you changed your approach in terms of how you um uh, control weeds in those crops uh and the spring crops not not particularly no uh it, it wouldn't vary wildly to a conventional I'd, I'd, we spray off with roundup um prior to drilling so we get a good kill uh you know obviously we're looking black grass is the main weed pressure for us so we're we're looking to get a good kill of black grass prior to drilling um i don't like to spray more than one roundup in the in the rotation or once a year on those fields if i can but there has been one case this year where i've had to go back through a couple of fields um and and give them another dose of roundup pre-drilling because we had another flush of black grass um don't tend to apply pre-m i rely on the crop getting away fairly quickly and smothering the weeds and then it's you know a fairly typical um cleanup for you know uh with flock supplier and, and an su sort of broad brush for broadleaf weeds okay and uh, i suppose uh, slightly different maybe this year as you mentioned already before the, the the fact that you maybe had more rain than you anticipated maybe in May, but in a general kind of scenario where you in, in, in a more normal year, let's just say it that way, do you think your zero till helps you conserve moisture and and um, support higher yields? Uh, almost certainly. I, I, last year was a, probably a quite a good example over here there. Um, you know, we had no rain for six weeks after drilling and, and our crops flew away and, and they looked pretty good. I, I put fertilizer down just prior to drilling. So we drilled the fertilizer in, if you like, and uh, I think that helped as well. And, and yeah, there's no doubt about it. It definitely conserves serves moisture and, and uh, you know, our crops are very even and, and get away quite nicely. This year, I think it's slightly different. Like I said, I think it was, it was so wet post-drilling again that, that um, you know, that stalls things a wee bit, so. Okay, and you mentioned the I think it's a horizon drill that you have, which is a which is a disc drill that goes at a bit of an angle. I think, um, very similar to I suppose maybe some of the weaver drills and things like that. In terms of on a dry season, is there any sort of an issue with those um, uh, where the, where the seed is actually placed by the uh, by by the disc, the slot, if you like, opening up and creating any problems, or is that that's neither here nor there? It just looks looks doesn't look great, but it's it's actually fine. Um, certainly, it's not something I experienced at the horizon because it's got um, so the disc coulter goes at, at one angle, and then there's a closing wheel coming at the opposite angle. So it it sort of opens the slit on the, on one way, and then there's another wheel coming behind that shuts it the other way. So we don't tend to see that where you see slots opening is usually with vertical disc drills like a John Deere 750A. Um, it always, I have to admit, I've, I've I've never used this uh, John Deere drill with a vertical disc, but um, I have seen it where the slots have opened up behind it, but the crop does still seem to grow okay. Um, but certainly we don't see the the slots opening up behind the horizon once it packs it. We have to be quite careful, actually, that we don't seal it shut too tight. Actually, that can be more of an issue okay. for us with that drill. Okay, because there's so much weight coming in and that, that, that second packer wheel, is it? Yeah, it's just that if you run it at too aggressive an angle, it, it can really shut, shut the lid on it quite tight. And... Uh, you know, if, if it rains down on it hard, particularly on small seeds, I, I think we've suffered where I've, I've drilled some uh, environmental mixes with a lot of very small seeds. I'm pretty sure that might be the problem that we just it just packed it in too tight. OK, coming back then to your to your spring crops in terms of the, the, the crops that you have in there. Is it a targeted market you're putting in for as in a premium market to, to, to maybe normal? Unfortunately not. I mean, I started growing oats uh, probably 10 years ago and spring oats were, were not really the norm over here. But as 
oilseed rape is just people are just stopped there's hardly i can't think of where the nearest oilseed rape field to me would be whereas before it was everywhere um people are starting to switch into spring oats and the market is fairly saturated now so contracts for that are quite quite hard to come by there's plenty of um spring malting barley contracts but again it's hitting the spec with that um and spring wheat there isn't really any particular contracts for that at the moment it's um i grow cochise which is a group two so that goes into a you know group two market along with winter wheat so does that but, but you you might like to maybe be in it but not a huge amount of opportunities just around you at the moment yeah i think so yeah that that probably sums it up yeah i mean if i could get the spring oats on a we we i put them on a on a they're committed to to be sold uh through a merchant over here but um trying to get you know contracts are they're quite rare actually and that well the people who are on them don't give them up sort of thing so they yes. uh there's there's not um there's not that much of a market for them unfortunately um but there is talk there's a an oat milk factory going to be built not too far from me about an hour away so whether that will take a bit more um a bit more of the oats out of the market that'd be quite useful for us maybe okay we might just turn a little bit maybe and just have a look at the uh, maybe chat about the your winter crops how are they looking at the moment are you happy with them yeah, I am, I'm just going through ear washes at the moment on the milling wheat. Uh, I've got one more load to do this morning. And um, yeah, I, they've really turned a corner. I, if you'd asked me probably a month ago, I would have said, you know, you know, they'll be pretty average at best. But um, I mean, the wet patches where we had standing water over winter, they're still not great, but they have filled in. Um, but yeah, there's some good potential. I think actually the, the weather is really that rain in May, the, the winter crops just loved it. And and now we've had some, you know, decent sunny weather the last three weeks. They're really motoring and they're very tall, actually, which, uh, um, and they, they're, they're very clean. Um, the fungicide programs work really well. And uh, but yellow rust has been probably the biggest issue for me this year over here. Uh, Septoria has not been too bad. So, um, but uh, they're pretty clean. And I think there's, yeah, there's a decent amount of potential there. Yeah. And just when you're talking about that, in terms of your typical program that that, that, that you're using on the wheat, what sort of program is that? Um, so I tend to sort of go with the weather at the time, really. I see fungicides as you're buying sort of three or four weeks insurance going forward. So um, we had a, a triazole just, at, well, there was no sort of t noughts if you like, no growth stage 30s other than on some Skyfall. I just put a triazole on at t naught there for yellow rust control um the sort of t1 time in growth stage 32 we had a, a triazole and a, a multi-site and then um at t2 was sort of full flag leaf timing which we were a little bit late it was quite a long gap actually because the weather was just wet and windy all through may we just couldn't get out of the sprayer um and i did end up getting around the wheat in a in a hurry in sort of a day and a half um and we, we went with an sdhi um and a multi-site um at the, that sort of full flag leaf timing. So that was some of the, the newer chemistries, the Revisols kind of thing, was it? Yeah, we we um I used Elatus on Crusoe because that's always quite handy for brown rust control. I, I um the Crusoe does tend to get brown rust later on in the season. So Elatus is very good on the rust. Um and then I had um Inatrek or um I forget what the brand name is now, but the new Quateva product. I use that quite a bit on the rest of it. Um, and we've got a few trials looking at that. We've got a, a sort of trial field where I've got Revisol, um, Inatrek, um, Ascra, and um, Elatus all sort of side by side in tram lines. But again, I don't think there's much in it, uh, certainly at the moment. It's, it's been dry, really, 
fairly dry since I, I put those on. So this is a trial for yourself or a trial for a company? Uh, just for myself. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I just like to look at these things. Yeah. I know. I think that's I think that's excellent. That every farmer should be doing a little bit of that on his own farm just to to see how it kind of works out. Um, confirm, yeah. Confirm suspicions or or not as the case may be. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Andy, I just want to just ask you maybe a final question. Um, maybe when you're looking out a little bit wider, is or maybe traveling the country around a little bit, if you if you were during the the COVID, um, how do you rate crops around your area? Is the southeast of England, south or the east of England, east Anglia kind of thing? Is it is it looking good in terms of good yield? I think so. Yeah, um, I have actually. I've been over to uh, further east of here a couple of times recently for either for meetings or uh, or to to visit people and. Um, I'd say there's some, yeah, there is some good potential. I think blackgrass control's been mixed bag. Um, there's some horrendous uh, fields of blackgrass and around about and other fields where, yeah, they were clearly drilled a bit later, don't look too bad. But I'd say overall that the crops generally don't look too bad. Spring crops probably aren't as good as last year. Um, but um, I'd say on the whole, things are looking not too, you know, I don't think it'll be too bad a harvest at all. Andy, thank you very much for your time. I know you're really busy and you're trying to get back out and back out and do a bit more spraying. So um, again, thank you very much. No problem. Thanks, Michael. So that's it for the Tidditch Edge and my thanks to Andy for joining me. The next in the ECT Grass Weed webinars is on next Tuesday, June the 22nd at 11.30 a.m. It centers around farmers in the Northeast and will focus on black grass and brome control. The final episode in this series is on July the 6th from Cork and will focus again on sterile brome, black grass and also ryegrass. The Oak Park Trials Open Day will take place on June the 30th and July the 1st. You can only attend this by booking first and the details of how to do this are on the Chagas website. So finally, don't forget if you like this podcast, then recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, review, rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. And I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.